This is Cinema Degeneration. <laughs> no. Why? why? Why is that funny? Look, look. You came to me to find out how guys like Mike and Chucky and Freddie do what they do, not why. sorority. A girl who likes to party and likes to get close to her friends. Because in this sorority, nothing is off limits. As long as it's fun for the girls. One more fling won't set us back, any? The House on Sorority Row. Rated R. Alrighty, folks, welcome once again to Cinema Degeneration and our single serving slasher month. It's all new appreciation month we got going on here for the entire month of October where we are celebrating uh, slashers that never had a sequel. Maybe a remake or a reboot, but no sequels are counted here. And we're going to be bringing a, a kind of an underrated gem to you, though. A lot of these this month are underrated gems. We are doing The House on Sorority Row from 1982 and i'd like to welcome both my guests my last calls my last call at torchy's cohorts in crime lee russell and gary hill welcome guys hello <clears throat> thanks for having us hi there yeah. yes indeed now i got a, I got a question i gotta ask you guys before we get started on house of sorority row uh, and i'll pose it to you first uh lee um, is this your favorite slasher, your favorite like single-serving slasher of all time, or do you have an alternate favorite? Oh, uh, this is definitely not my favorite. In fact, this is the first time I ever actually sat down and watched it all the way through for this show. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, it's one of the it's one of the few ones where it's like, hey, everyone should see this fucking movie. Where I just had never gotten around to it. Like I've seen so many slashers and so many terrible ones, <laughs> and and you know to say I hadn't seen this one is, is kind of a little bit of an embarrassment, but, um, but we'll, you know, we'll get more into my thoughts on this later in the show, but, uh, my favorite slasher film, uh, of all time is, um, just before dawn. Oh, okay. Yeah. Are you, are you familiar? You're familiar with that one, right? Yeah. Yeah. I actually went to a cinema wasteland a couple of years where they had a cast and crew reunion. We got to Ooh. see with the, with, uh, some of them in tow. Jeff, that was, 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 was Jeff Lieberman there? I don't recall. I think so. I yeah. think so. I don't quite remember too many bong rips and uh, beer, beer <laughs> since, and so I don't really remember who was there. I've yeah, had uh, several heart attacks since. since. <laughs> oh, wow, <laughs> Jesus. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I do love that one. That one, I think, for my money, has maybe not the best final girl, but the coolest one and the most unique one when it comes to how she does in the killer and 
and I like that the movie has a, a nice little twist and there's some really horrific stuff in it, even though it's, you know, on its face, it's just like ah, another backwoods slasher film or whatever, but it's actually really well done. And it's got George Kennedy just, you know, kind of where, you know, George Kennedy at, at that point in his career, I'll be in anything. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and actually, I went and checked back over the old uh, Cinema Wasteland guest list and he was there. So, yeah, I, oh. I, couldn't, I couldn't remember. You know, it's like I said, been a few years. And, and Gary, uh, same question for you. Is this your favorite single-serving uh, slasher, or do you got a, an alternate favorite? It's hard to say. Yeah, this is this is my favorite one, but to pick a, a favorite single-serving slasher, there's more out there than you think. And um, p- popcorn's up there, I'd say. Oh, yeah. You know, just from the time that the time that it came out and um, how old I was, and yeah, you know, me, me catching it when I did, getting that um, that, that rental quite a bit it was uh it's a pretty good slasher um maniac may be at the top though i'd say oh yeah oh yeah that's is a good one or the little scene um you know i i think it's a little it's, it's not talked about a lot it, it fucking should be intruder is a great slasher a single mm-hmm. slasher as well it uses its, its settings incredibly well well so does maniac um uses the stuff within the grocery store very very well uh, yeah, yeah <laughs> right it needs to be talked about more that, that we one did just... cover that one we did cover that one about two weeks ago so yeah right. uh, yeah that one just doesn't get talked about mostly because i it's right at the back end of the 80s and it's like by that time the genre was so played out and dead that everyone i think i, I think everyone has like a there's a well, there's a lot of people who have this sort of just you know they've never seen like ninety percent of the slashers in the last half of the eighties, and they just feel like oh they're all trash because that's when the genre was like really kicking rocks at the bottom of the barrel, you know kind of thing and uh no, there's actually a lot of really great uh slasher films that came out in that period. It's just everyone kind of thinks, oh no that's that's where it all died that's where it's all yeah. that's where it all went down. They all forgot about it after about 85, 86, and they were just like, you know, if they were coming out, they were, like you said, Lee, they were just considered trashy, and a lot of people weren't seeing them, I think. Mm-hmm. It's hard to pick one, though, because there's a lot of them, and there's lots of ones that I didn't like before that I've come to appreciate as an adult, like like Terror Train. Did, didn't like it so much before, but I like it more now as an adult. It's, 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 yeah. Here, here's, here's the real question. When are you going to finally come around to Black Christmas, you son of a bitch? Well, I'm not I'm not a biggest fan as some folks are. <laughs> yeah. I, I gotta I gotta admit, not not a huge fan of Black Christmas myself. Oh my like, god. I, I, I'll I, see I you like later, it. guys. <laughs> <laughs> too, too, too much too much life too much lifetime movie of the week shit out there for me to do. That was it, Lee like Russell, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Thank you for coming on the show. <laughs> <laughs> uh I, I, I like Black Christmas enough. I just don't love it. It's just like, you know, it, it's good. It's it's good. It's just I don't consider it great. Fair enough. Well, I like the stuff that came out of Black Christmas more than Black Christmas. You know, <laughs> the stuff that kid, yeah, they did, but they, they stole from Black Christmas. Oh, I mean, this the film we're talking about tonight is pretty much right out of like because Black Christmas happened. It's kind of yeah. a lot of the same stuff. So, like John, yeah. John, John Carpenter saw that film before he made Halloween. I'm just gonna throw that out there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, Jack. Jack, Car- Jack Carpenter, John's uh, brother. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah Jackie, Jackie Carpenter. Yes, indeed. Yeah. You know. Uh, I don't know. I gotta. I gotta say, I agree with you though. Uh, Pop- Popcorn is probably one of my, one of my two favorites. If I had to really like 
single out and choose. I really couldn't make a Sophie's choice and choose one, but really I would are. say probably popcorn. And, and I have an insane love for Dr. Giggles. Oh, yeah. Which, you know, was for like 93 or 92 whenever oh, yeah. that came out. You know, that. Well, the reason why Dr. Giggles is so good is because Larry Drake owned it. Mm. You know, he's like, I'm yes. going to take this turn of a film and just go for it, you know. Yeah, without Larry, without Larry Drake, it, it's just kind of lackluster. But you know, yeah. it's just I, I I just love it. I I have an insane love for it, even though it's been you know. Same thing with Mitch Pelegi and Shocker. It's not a good movie. But yeah. Mitch Pelegi is really good in it, though. You know. Right. <laughs> That's what keeps you in it, you know. Yeah. Well. Well, let's get into the house on Sorority Row. I will give the quick uh, synopses, as they say here from the IMDb, which is as follows. After a seemingly innocent prank goes horribly wrong, yeah, right. <laughs> oh, yeah. A group of sorority sisters are stalked and murdered one by one in their sorority house while throwing a party to celebrate their graduation. And that is misleading as fuck. Yeah. Because it's not an seemingly an innocent prank, although it does go ho- horribly wrong. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh my God. Man. Uh, this was directed by Mark Rossman, who did executive produce. Uh, the remake from uh, I think it was 2009, Sorority Row. Mm-hmm. It, though, although you wouldn't really notice as much of a remake, it's more of a loose, very loose adaptation. It's kind of like the Prom Night remake. It's just like, oh really? Yeah, yeah it's at least as far as I'm concerned, it's just they just kind of capitalize on the name a little bit. Although it does have Carrie Fisher in it, so it does get one one half of the thumb up for me. Mm. But it's just uh, I, I can't get past. I am one of those people that you talk about, Lee, that does not like remakes. Most okay. of them, <laughs> most of them, I, I don't, I don't I was, like. I was, I was looking up Mark Rosman, and he made something that I happen to enjoy. Um, I think it was a made-for-sci-fi movie called Evolver. That's yeah. Ethan Embry, where he's like a some kind of laser tag kid or something, and then mm-hmm. he gets he gets a robot from a company. That has like artificial intelligence, and of course, it arms itself with real shit and starts killing people. And I haven't watched it in a long time, but I remember I remember liking it quite a bit. John Delancey's in it too, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that film. Yeah, it was a lot like a kind of reminded me. It was almost like a sister film to that. Uh, what was that full moon movie? Arcade. Arcade. Yeah, yeah that's I'm yeah. sick of that too. Yeah. Yeah, it was just kind of with better effects. It would have been you know exemplary in people's eyes, but. Without we can go with this all day long, but without <laughs> there would be no Ready Player One. So I'm just gonna throw that out there, you know. Yeah, Spielberg, you hack. <laughs> yeah, ripping off Charles Band. That's what Spielberg's always done, right? <laughs> of, of course, yeah. <laughs> Charlie Band, the 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 well from which all great ideas have sprung in the last hundred years of cinema. <laughs> uh but again, you know, we're we're talking uh, slasher movies, not lawnmower man ripoffs right now. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I do love uh, Evolver. It's a great little. Uh, and maybe we'll have to do a you know a CGI run video games run amok month here coming up. Oh, but, brain uh, scan, bitch. Yeah, no brain scan. I Ghost smell, in the machine. I smell, a, I smell a Don the Dragon Wilson film coming in play. You know. Uh, <laughs> oh, virtual <laughs> combat. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm hip. I, well, no, I'm not, but I'm like, I know what you're talking about, at least. <laughs> oh, but let me go ahead and get off into a little bit of the cast here. We got our our Kate McNeil from, uh, I was going to say she was from Monkey Shines without even having to look up look it up. I knew remembered her when I first started watching this uh, earlier this afternoon. Got Eileen Davidson as Vicky. 
Janice Ward as Liz. Robin Malloy is Jeannie, the most annoying character in the history of mankind, I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or at least in this movie. Harley Jane Kozak, the mom from Arachnophobia, is Diane. And I'm probably going to massacre her name here, but Jody Drage as Morgan. The uh, the weak link here in this movie, I think uh, <laughs> she's... Uh, she has something to do, something to improve upon with her enunciation, I'll have to say. But then we How got... How do we know she is alive? <laughs> I had a feeling, like, for some reason that she did not know English and she was doing her her dialogue phonetically and, and just, like... Um, there, there was... Someone was overdubbed entirely in this. I don't think it was her, though. I think it was the... Uh, it was Mrs. The, Slater. Yeah, Mrs. Slater, right? Yeah. Yeah, because they said her voice was too shrill and too high pitched, and they wanted somebody a little bit more gravelly. So, mm-hmm. Lori, uh, Lois Kelso Hunt was overdubbed. But then we get uh, we got Michael Coon as Peter, the the poor motherfucker that just got the the blind date from hell, mm. and Christopher Lawrence as Doctor Beck. Who I don't know. I'm, we don't have to talk about this in a linear linear form. Would you agree, uh, guys, that uh, Dr. Beck is kind of, like, low-key the, the real villain of this movie? Yeah. He's definitely I mean, one of them. Yeah, he's, he's definitely, the like, he's not the murderer, but he's, he's definitely a villain. I mean, he's he's kind of he's kind of the Dr. Loomis from the Rob Zombie Halloween kind of same thing, right? Like, the, the sort of... Uh, man of a in a place of authority who let things get out of control, um, and is now trying to like cover it up, you know, kind of thing. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, and he doesn't take any responsibility for it. He's just like, we just have to to, to get the 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 baby and mm-hmm. kill him, which we're we'll we'll get into that a whole uh, debacle when it gets here, but. This movie starts off in 1961, and we get some nice uh, flashbacks and Vaseline on the lenses. You know, I mean, mm. <laughs> you know, that's how that's how they did it back then. You know, they would just do. They didn't have After Effects. They would just smear some Vaseline on the lens. But it's passable. But poor Mrs. Slater. Uh, yeah, she uh, is really the, the 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 victim from day one. She just you know, wanted to be able to give birth, and you know, fucking Doctor Beck is. Uh, kind of a douchebag about it. He's just like, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, I hate Dr. Beck. I don't like the son yeah. of a bitch. So, like, she, she is she's the victim of a botched artificial insemination where it went wrong, basically, is the idea. Yeah. But then we flashback, or not flashback, flash forward to 1982, 20-some-odd years later, and Mrs. Slater is now, you know, the house mother for the sorority house, and... You know, she's shutting things down for the weekend and pranks and parties, uh, a lot atypical of the slasher genre. And I'm here for it. And, you know, anytime mm-hmm. you start off with a prank gone wrong, you know, <laughs> it's just uh, it's just part of the course here. But uh, I will say one thing. I, mean, I don't know if you guys agree with this. I'll, I'll ask you first, Gary. The first half of this mo- movie, I feel like, is very ill-paced. It takes a while to get to the action, you know, of, of having a kill, you know, because I don't think we even get our first kill to 32, 33 minutes in, because, yes, I did write it down. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, would you agree that the first part of the movie is kind of ill-paced, uh, but still, like, it's intriguing at all at the same time. So it's not, like, boring, you know? 
No, it's not. It, it, it sets up uh, something, you know, they, 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 they she's she going to ruin their party because these girls have to be out by the 19th for, for a reason we find out later. She's the, the bitchy house mother, and they're going to play a prank on the bitchy house mother because the one, was, of course, was having sex in the house, you know, on a waterbed, which, you know, she's irresponsible to have somebody in your house on a waterbed in, 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 a, in a rented house or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, this was the, this was the, the time of the right, decade right into, for it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but then, then there's... Got, that's up, you know... Oh, no, I was just going to say, in this no, is no, senseless massacre of a fucking waterbed. Senseless yeah. massacre of that waterbed. I mean, Cuts like I happened pretty quick too. <laughs> pretty easy. <laughs> it's, you might say it was almost like it was wrote in the script. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that, that, that sets up something, you know. Like, like that, what you got in Friday Thirteenth, you find out that Jason is the, the the mother was the killer, you know. But you don't see the death, like much like in this movie. You see the cane going in the waterbed. You know who it is then. But later on, when you see the cane, you, you're not quite sure who it is it could be the mother could be somebody else but um that begins the rub you know them jamming that cane in the bed and it's all important and then you know the accident happens where they're gonna they're, they're gonna play a prank where they they she gets a gun yeah, the spoon oh, blanks yeah. It up. there's one but there's, there's one bullet left and the gun and then you know she gets shot and supposedly dumped in a pool and that changes later of course and it, it, it's 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 all it's all it's all set up and it's all important i, I wouldn't call it boring though no, no. It just it sets up how you you know you view these characters and yeah you know, who's gonna go first and which obviously it's it's a the promiscuous one is gonna go sooner rather than later. Uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, Eileen Davidson is but, Vicky. Um, She's uh, the MVP for the uh, the bitch of the year award in this movie. Yeah, it, it, it sets it, it sets up real fine though. I, I have no complaints there. Just somebody else would call it slow. I, I've seen slower and um. A slash movie doesn't have to be two hours long. Um, to a very special one that people kiss his ass to. We just hit uh, just throw it out there. <laughs> <laughs> and what do you, and what do you think, Lee? I had no problem with the pacing at all. Um, okay. I thought I thought the movie, considering that the the characters themselves are your sort of standard slasher uh, sort of archetype characters. You know, they're they're very uh, two dimensional at the at the most. Um, I thought it did a good job of at least giving us some time to see who these girls were and give them all a little bit of characteristics. So you get to know them, um, which helps as well when it comes to the fact that uh, this slasher does the thing that's slightly different than a lot of slashers do where usually a slasher is um, the killing start as, you know, revenge or some sort of result of some sort of past transgression or something. Uh, This one is, they're covering up a murder just after it happened kind of thing. It's not like 20 years later, killings are starting to happen. Right, right. Like that, right? So it it gets you into the sorority house. It gets you to know the girls. Um, it gets their interpersonal relationships down. You got the bitchy girl. You got the good girl who, you know, goes along to get along. But she, you can tell she's still a lot more thoughtful and she's going to be our final girl. Then you got Oh, yeah, right the, off the bat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you get all of our sort of side characters, you know, all, all the all the dead meat. Uh, but, you know, each one has a, has a little quirk here and there kind of thing. Um, and you get to know them. And then basically that helps play into uh, their interactions with each other as they're starting to cover up this murder or, you know, this this accidental murder. Um, and 
you know, they have this party tonight. They got a pool in the body in that fucking. They got a pool with a body in it. Uh, they're they're wondering at one point, well, is she going to sink at some point? You know, like <laughs> what are right. we going to do about this kind of thing? And that you know, the the whole thing is like sort of based around we got to get through this one night, then we can do something with the body afterwards. We just got to keep people out of the fucking pool, which shouldn't be a problem because the pool it looks like fucking algae piss come central. <laughs> Like it's just disgusting. Um, I, I do have. Some yeah, I had a friend once that had a pool that looked like that that they never Oof. filled or fixed, and it was just like such a waste, such a waste. Well, I, Lee, 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 they already paid the caterer and the band, so that the show had to go on there. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't get those kind of deposits back. No. No. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I do. I do. I do think it's it's really cool though. Like I, I don't know if it's intentional or not, but I was kind of picking up like a. <clears throat> a bit of a deeper little bit of subtext here where um, the dirty swimming pool seems like it's a direct reflection of uh, the headmistress, uh, Mrs. Slater, it, her sort of mental degradation over the years. Like she's let that go bad as her mind has gone bad. You know, there's this, Ooh. there's a sub thought, there's this little subplot uh, basically where, you know, the doctor's like, she's slowly going mad over the shit that happened in 61 and, and she's getting worse and worse. And, and she, he's really worried about her, you know, flipping out and, and maybe hurting somebody or herself or whatever. And, you know, she has that little conversation with the doctor where she's like, you, you screw around with me. I'm going to tell everyone what you did and ruin you kind of thing. So there's that tension there. And it, it just feels like it's slowly been a thing that's building up. Like you see, you see all these pictures of her with like past like sororities that have gone through the house and everything. And she seems fine. Like, and also she probably never would really flipped out on anybody with this current, you know, uh, a cadre of uh, young women. Um, but she's gotten just to the point where she's finally ready to snap. And, it, and it's going to be one little thing here or one little thing there and she's finally going to go over the edge and this movie is kind of like the events that play out are all direct result of her snapping and the girls you know taking revenge on her for for snapping and her yeah. subsequent death and, and all that stuff so it, it, it's all just like a big domino effect that was you know waiting to happen like 20 years in the making kind of thing well, yeah, everything it was just building up, and then, you know, once we find out too later on, the reason why she shuts down in the weekend of the nineteenth, it is, you know, once that's found out, then you understand why she was so adamant about the kids staying out, no partying, right. and especially no fucking on waterbeds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna play my card early here, because you know we're we're not gonna be ruining anything here. This is a forty year old movie. I thought thought the first time I watched this. And I think I probably watched it around 88 or 89. I probably watched it when I was about 17. And uh, <clears throat> or about no, I was actually about 14 at the time. I was a lot younger. <laughs> but anyway, I thought the killer was going to be Peter. Oh, really? Because, like, as, as a kid, I was just, like, not paying a lot of attention to the subtext. It was all about boobs and blood and beast, you know, the mm. three Bs, you know. And I didn't pay attention, you know, probably back then as much as I do now. <laughs> But at the same time, you know, it, watching it this time over, I still feel like, you know, they use a Peter as a red herring, like big yes. time. Yeah. And especially like when he pops up in the attic, you know, it's just like perfect timing. He keeps seeming, he seems to keep popping up at the 
you know, great, I'm using air quotes here that you can't see great timing. Right. And he also feels like a character that's going to get like, you know, there, there's a, there's a side character who gets killed off and goes wandering into the woods. He's like our first, you know, death bit your our first victim of the slasher or whatever. Who's, you know, he's just this fucking uh, good time. Charlie who goes walking into the woods and, and gets stabbed. Um, Peter feels like, Oh, he's going to be like the, the well-meaning boyfriend, the dorky boyfriend who gets killed, you know, uh, some way halfway through or something like that, but they use him as a red herring and like, I'll give the movie credit. Like it, it does its best to try to like throw red herrings. Like, is it, is it, they don't necessarily like, is it one of the girls, but it's like, is, is Miss Slater actually dead or is it, you know, Peter for some weird reason, or could it be the doctor or, right, right. you know, like they, they try. Um, and I, and I can definitely understand how, you know, being younger and watching it, maybe not pick up on, on what the movie actually, you know, kind of gives away really. Um, because you know, the, that opening sequence is just like, if I was 17 watching that, I'd be like, boring, let's get to the kills. Let's get to the titties. <laughs> right. And, and, but it, I like the opening kind of spells out, Oh, it's going to be her kid because the opening does its damnedest to like, Oh, she must've lost the baby. And it's like, and, it, and if you know, like slasher films, you're like, there's no way she lost the baby. The, the baby's the one doing no. the killings. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, it, it kind of borrows a little, uh, well, not a little, but a lot from, you know, Friday the 13th in, yes. in such a way. But it does it in a much more satisfying kind of way. I think it does it a I, lot. I, more... I think it does it better, in my opinion. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I'm yeah. not the biggest fan of Friday the 13th for that reason, because once you get to what it is, you, you have a lot of questions, like, how was this elderly woman able to hang a large person from a door frame? Right. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I love the Friday the 13th series. I'm just not a huge, huge fan of the original Friday the 13th. Same. Yeah. The, that movie doesn't really uh, get started until part two, you know. And uh, Anyway, that's a that's a discussion for another time. <laughs> it's, it's, it's related to this discussion, though. So it, it, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, to me, I mean, the, the, if you're going to be really honest, Friday the 13th doesn't really become Friday the 13th until he gets the hockey mask, so we're really talking part three here. But, yeah, yeah no, that, 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 that's, a, that's a debatable point. I'm sure there's a lot of people that would uh, argue that with me. But uh, I, I, I do have to say one thing that this movie does have, it does have a nice body count. Mm-hmm. It's got, you know, there's very few people that, that, survived this, this movie and actually by the end of it i mean you know not gonna, we're going to be ruining anything here we don't know that anybody survives because right. you know the way that 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 bumper ending and maybe you guys can clear something up for me uh, i watched it twice for this review once you know just normally and once on the riff tracks but i i feel like they left it open-ended as what happened to peter was peter killed or was he just knocked out with the as the doctor said, with a mild sedative, because I don't think they ever show what happens to him. Yeah, he was just tranked, I think, if, if, yeah. if what the doctor said was true. Yeah, because right. the, the doctor had the trank gun there for the, the son, right, for the killer. Right, so, and then he yeah. he got Peter by accident, or maybe not by accident, but, you know. I mean, I mean, he was, Peter was really skinny, though. Maybe the trank killed him, you know, you never know. I don't know, but I just always thought that was left open-ended. I'm like, maybe there was a version of it that I just hadn't seen. But, but neither here nor there. Yeah, I would like to think that he didn't make it. Mm, <laughs> well, he, 
Well, I mean, you got to assume that, you know, if the killer actually is still alive, he probably ends up killing our our final girl and then maybe just kills Peter on the way out, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, that's a good good summary, I think. I think. Ah, but I uh, one note that I had here was <laughs> that I had to make fun of was the theme of their party was everything's coming up roses. Yeah, no. No, not not it's not coming up roses for anybody. I I really didn't like the band that was playing either. <laughs> I didn't either. I usually dig that era of music, but I was not a fan. I thought they were too weak sauce. Like, you know, you're going to put a new wave rock band in there. That's cool. That's fine. But I just found they, they were so generic. I was, And they were a real band, too, that they got. Like, they were short-lived, but a real band. But they were so generic. I was just like, oh, my God. Like, then these people are, like, partying to this shit. Yeah, kill them all. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. You know you know what band really went for? Well, two bands. The band from Graduation Day do, doing the Gangster Walk song really went oh, yeah. for it. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. The, the, the terrible... Um, Night Train to Terror. Um, oh, that's yeah. the all-time best. <laughs> <laughs> but that band was ordered it though. <laughs> yeah, but that and that and that one was specifically, like I think it was the director's son or something like that, or producer's son, and it was like specifically all those were shot as you know to help link all those stitched together movies in Night Train to Terror that were all unrelated, right? So it's mm-hmm. like someone intentionally is like, this is the best way to stitch all this stuff together with this fucking silly ass band playing that fucking song nonstop. You know, with that movie, why not? Okay. Is all yeah. I'll say about that. <laughs> no, it saves the movie. That and Cameron Mitchell's overacting. I'll save the fucking movie. That's or actually but... Cameron Mitchell underacts in that movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was gonna say he's kind of low key in that movie. Mm. But I, I was think... going to say, what was the name of the band that, uh, oh, that we, we just covered it, too. Um, New Year's Evil. I think it was, uh, it does the New Year's Evil theme song that they play like 18 times. That talk of, talk that about Maybe not as many times I'm, as like the I'm, Howling 2. I'll look it up. Oh, yeah, that band's amazing. <laughs> oh, the one in Howling 2 is great. <laughs> it's great, but I, I when I reviewed that for sequel to Deja Vu about a year and a year and a half ago, we kept track of how many times that song was in the movie, and I lost track after like thirteen or fourteen. Oh, I can, I can still, I you know, to, just to mention another podcast that I dearly miss, um, Short Bus Cinema. I believe it was it was either Short Bus oh, Cinema yeah. or Hale Ming did did Howling Two, and Ricky just kept dropping in the cold cold night or pale pale <laughs> night of the moon or whatever. Just kept dropping that. <laughs> if you don't think you like Howling too, I got four words for you, okay? Red Brown Canadian Tuxedo. <laughs> I mean, his, his balls that'd be sticking to the side of his leg just running around in that film, just sweating. You know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, the the, the band, one movie that uh, fucking Christopher Lee wanted to disown out of everything he's done. Oh, and yeah, and he did jocks. <laughs> <laughs> and I enjoyed the hell out of it too. I don't know why it is, but uh, <laughs> the, the the band and, and New Year's Eve. <laughs> the by funny the way, thing is, I think I enjoy. Uh, I'm sorry. Is what? No, the band in uh, New Year's Eve was Rock Band Shadow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. I, I looked it up just because. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now we know, and now the listeners know, and knowing's half the battle. Yo, Joe. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, moment of silence for a short bus cinema. Love yeah, that yeah, show. Yeah. yeah. We hardly knew you. But anyway, anyway, uh, 
I think the 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 creepiest scene in this movie to make a weird segue here. The creepiest scene is when um, Katie uh, discovers the addict, mm-hmm. and is like, is if you if you didn't know something wasn't right and something was afoot a with Mrs. Slater, you'd definitely know it by this because it's like the the attic is made up to look like a dollhouse and it's with all the toys. And then Peter fucking shows up again, definite red herring, mm-hmm. and just like I'm gonna I want to play with the toys and stuff in here. And it's just like, eh. yeah, it's very. It's very weird, and that's that's one of the moments where it does a good job of like casting doubt on well, is Peter the killer? And I think it's pretty confident and kind of stylistic filmmaking for a first timer, right? Because I mean, I know I know the director like he worked with De Palma on a thing, and he, and he's done he did stuff behind the scenes before he got a chance to direct this. But I mean, he's working with a real low budget here, and he's got some great stuff like that gunshot to champagne bottle opening transition, which is a nice little flourish at the beginning. And, you know, the bird cane is always like shown during the killings and stuff. So, you know, it reinforces it as a visual motif and the use of the toys where the killer is like using the toys to like distract or lure victims. Yeah. That that is all really well done. And, and the, and the continued use of the, um, the uh, Harlequin uh, clown in, in the little Jack in the box or whatever. And then you get, you see the full suit later hanging on the wall. I I wouldn't, I wouldn't accept that many films, but I accepted this fucking movie. Let me tell you. Yeah. (laughs) I like the fact that the, that the big Harlequin clown matches the, the Jack in the box. Yes. It's It's amazing. It's It's fantastic. Beautiful, beautifully done. When they first show that thing, I don't know. It's like, I, Again, like when I first watched it, I ex- fully expected it to just leap out at her because I have a insane fear <laughs> of two things that the Amish and clowns. <laughs> but my my fear of clowns comes from the bicycle uh, scene in, in Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Um, oh, yeah. that's, that's where that comes from. <laughs> where he's having his fantasy and the clowns are tearing apart the bicycle and the one turns around and he's got like a big old scary face on, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they're just creepy looking. I, I'm, I'm sorry, is this something, I guess it's maybe like a Gacy complex, you know, you just associate the, them with wearing a somebody else's face i don't know maybe it's an mm-hmm. insane maybe it's an insane fear but it's my insane fear so there you go this, uh, this film has a kill that i haven't seen any other slasher film and i'll explain to you why okay there's right a point, there's a point in the film where the one girl i forget her name escapes from the killer and she runs in the house and is meet, met by another one of her sorority sisters oh and genie yeah she goes yeah genie goes into the bathroom and she has the knife in her hand because you know that's the smart thing to do. Grab a knife when a killer's after you. Mm-hmm. But she's she gets she gets the what I'm gonna call the stop hitting yourself kill because she, <laughs> the, the killer the killer puts the knife behind her neck 
it basically makes her kill herself by messing with by by maneuvering her arm to kill herself and you know cu- yeah. cutting her own back back of her head. So I'm calling that the, the very unique in a slash movie. Stop stop hitting yourself, kill. You know. <laughs> yeah. And it's one of the few kills in the movie that they don't use the cane for. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, and she like the killer uses it to restrain her up against the wall, but that's it. I think what comes on and that's nicely played later on is when uh, Katie is is trying to hide and she hides inside the bathroom again, the same stall that Jeannie was in. She turns around and there's there's her head just floating in the toilet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, oh, shit. Like every time that happens, every time that happens, both times that happens, it made me jump because <laughs> like, I just never expect it. Yeah. And the, and the gore works very competent in this, too. Like it's very well done. Um I think I think my favorite kill is 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 another one of those um, sort of fake outs he does in the movie where you expect it at one point and then it comes back later. So there's there's two kills in the van. There, there's the first fan kill where we get a point of view shot from behind uh, at the back of the van when the girl's sitting in the seat and you think, okay, the killer's going to come from behind and get her. But instead he comes through the roof and, and stabs her through the roof. Yeah. Yeah. When he comes through the, when he comes through the the sunroof. Yeah. 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 He he stabs her in the hand and then he stabs her in the neck. Um, Then we get a second kill in the van later on where that finally pays off where the killer actually is in the back of the van and slits the throat of the girl sitting in the seat, which I thought it was a neat little sort of like bookend kind of like, Oh yeah, we we faked you at the first part, first time, but now we're gonna do it like this the way you expected the second time. I thought that was kind of neat. Uh, and it, yeah, you kind of expect them to fake you out a second time. They're like, mm. no, nope, we're gonna give you what you're looking for. Yeah, but uh, the, the the plans uh, that these people have. Speaking of the, the the van scene, they decided they're gonna move once they find uh, Mrs. Slater's body up in the crawl space mm-hmm. or in the attic crawl space. And they're like, okay, we're going to, like, they keep coming up with dumb plans and dumb plans by these dumb, like, dumb people. But, like, I often say, if people did smart things in these movies, the movies would be awfully short. They'd be, like, 20 minutes long, and that'd be it. Right. But the the plan is to put, well, the first, they're going to put her in the dumpster. That's a dumb plan. That's very dumb. (laughs) Like, yeah, like, let's move this big, cumbersome object straight into a police car. That was... This dumb thinking but when they decide that they're gonna take uh the body in the van down to the local cemetery and dispose of it there because there's a, a funeral set up they're like well we're just gonna dig it like further down and dig you know and bury the body at the, the bottom mm. of the, it's like that's gotta be the worst plan ever like it would have been much easier for them to just they're gonna get caught they're gonna get caught in oh yeah there's i think th- you know honestly i think that's kind of realistic like a lot of people who you know that kill somebody mistake or whatever and they try to hide the body like they're not thinking very straight they're they're being stupid and these are just supposed to be you know like late teens early 20s whatever college girls not necessarily super bright half of them but just by the way they're depicted you know i i could see them overreacting and freaking out and their whole lives are ahead of them and they're about to be ruined because this because of this murder um yeah they're not thinking straight the only one that seems to be thinking semi-straight is is Katie, maybe a little bit. Yeah. But, but she has the right, you know, intuition, but she doesn't act on it. She just goes along with it, which, you know, makes her as guilty as everybody else. Mm-hmm. 
there's like one mistake in that scene that I, I, I can't really get behind where they're, they're, they find this, this open grave that has the thing still in it where you lower the body into the coffin. Mm-hmm. So they say, we'll dig a little, we need to dig a little further, you know, to, to bury it better. Well, they're already down in the hole. And once they're done digging, the one girl, as a distraction, steps through the coffin mm-hmm. that's already down there. So you, you my, my buddy, you know, used to dig graves for a living and they didn't cover the body, cover the, the coffin until they took those, those, those things out of there. So it, uh, yeah. Le- leaving the coffin unattended is, is out of the question, you know? Well, you know, this, this movie totally fails now. <laughs> well, yeah. no, 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 that's just a small thing. It's just, you know. Yeah, no, like, I get yeah, it. Like she there's somebody who wrote it and then didn't know anything about the actual setup of how they bury people and was just like, yeah, this will work. This will work. If, if, she didn't step, <laughs> if she didn't step through the coffin, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be like even talking about this. But there's a point where she like, here's a distraction for a friend to get murdered inside the van. She's going to step through the coffin and can't get out right away. And, you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and d- way, d- where is that bitch to help me? Do, 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 I'm sorry, go ahead. I was gonna, uh, no, 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 go right ahead. I said, by the way, where is that bitch to help me bury this body that yeah. you know, we should just dump back in the pool again when the party was over? Because she's, al- <laughs> she's already waterlogged being in the pool the first time. Why not mm-hmm. put her back in there again when the party's over, you know? Right, yeah. right. That's why I say they come up with these bullshit elaborate plans to, like, it just seems like they're way too elaborate, like, <laughs> you know, for their own good. <coughs> yeah. I mean, we, uh, I mean, eventually to get away with it, they have to get rid of the body somehow. But, I mean, the way they're thinking about it is just, yeah, they're not thinking straight. Like, they're just, they're panicking at all points, basically, so... Give, give this give this movie a weekend at Bernie's plot. You got a comedy on your hands, all I'm saying. <laughs> it's like, no, man, she's cool. She's still alive. You know, pulling yeah. the strings to make her wave at people. You know, yeah, Why, it's, it's nighttime. Why is she wearing sunglasses? <laughs> no reason. Uh, what's that big gaping bullet hole in her? Oh, nothing. Nothing. Uh, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, now, is it any surprise though that within about five minutes after Doctor Beck gets uh, uh, contacted because they find the metal alert bracelet, mm-hmm. and Katie calls him, he has enough time to spill the beans just before you find out about five minutes later that how shady he is, how he had, yeah. you know, had tried to help her conceive, but then you told her that hey, you know, this is what's going to happen. The baby, you know, could could come out mutated or you know, a mongoloid or something like that, and and, you know, and she has to ask, who is Eric? And, like, well, that was her baby. And that's when everything starts to really start to make sense here. But, like, they just get to that point where they have that exposition dump where it's just like, okay, yeah, I, you know, I helped her out 27 years ago. She she kind of blackmailed me, you know, because she was going to expose me if I did anything about it. It was a swerve when they kind of came up with this, like, mutant baby Eric that you never really get to see because he's wearing masks the whole time, which I thought was mm-hmm. interesting. Good idea, it, actually. Yeah, yeah, you know, it, it was a way to, to, to cover cover him up and not have to, you know, it was it was a good logistically because they don't have to, you know, cover up with any latex or any makeup or spend hours in the makeup chair like a Jason Voorhees and just masks, yeah. you know? And, I mean, you can, you can kind of leave it up to your imagination and how he probably looks. He's, he's probably got like a cleft palate. He's probably, you know, uh, probably a bit of a waterhead or whatever, you know, Hydra, whatever you, you call that with, you know, they, they, they got water on the brain or whatever. Probably got all the uh, typical 
uh, child, you know, infant deformities that you would expect from like a, a bad birth or whatever kind of thing. But yeah, I, I just picture the the the, the mutant from uh, uh, what the hell is it? Um, Funhouse. <laughs> oh, the Funhouse mutant. Yeah, that yeah. the one where he looks like some sort of weird hammerhead shark, almost yeah, like a hammerhead shark mixed with a troll. Yeah, but. Uh, but it was just originally, it was a swerve, you know, like I said, again, this is the first time I remember seeing this. It was a swerve that I didn't see coming. And now, you know, you kind of see it coming a mile away once you've, you know, you've been used to all this, the slasher tropes that they have. It's and, it's, it's almost too much at the end when he starts, when the doctor starts explaining everything. It, it's almost like it's threatening to do what, like, the Norman Bates at the end of Psycho thing, where, like, the doctor explains, oh, by the way, Norman, you know, is disassociative disorder or whatever is, you know, his mother's in his brain kind of thing. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, okay, we, we get I it. I wouldn't hurt a fly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, this is the point where, I, you know, where he starts, uh, he, he knocks out, well, doesn't knock out uh, Katie, you know, he, uh, he, gives her a, a quote-unquote just a mild sedative but it causes her to fucking hallucinate some yeah shit. that's good stuff yeah I, I like how they do it it's very simplistic but it's very effective mm-hmm. like how they do the cuts and you kind of see the you know the the cane spinning around and then you know mrs slater is there and then she's not and then they're all turned it's Bravo. Like, I think I, I thought that was the hallucinations were done very, very well. It was, and it's like, you didn't have to do that, but it's like, he did that. And it's like, wow, okay, nice. It's like, it almost feels like this is the one movie I, don't, I might only get to make. So I'm like, I'm doing everything I want to do. <laughs> yeah, pulling out everything, including the kitchen sink. Yeah. What I don't get is, you know, what's, what's the doctor's end game here? I know that he doesn't want her to tell. But you kidnapped this girl. You drugged this girl to the point you're going to tell your, your what your your play your what happened. You know, to, I guess to make you make her sympathize with you. But you still drugged this girl and, and made her listen to your story. Oh, yeah. I think I th- and telling her straight up that he's using her for, that he's using her for bait. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he yeah. he he. I think he fully intends to kill her afterwards, right? Um, yeah, I think he's just- going to kill her and blame it on Eric. Yeah, he just he has to take care of Eric first before he deals with her, and like he he'll he'll like tranquilize Eric, and then he'll go back and kill her in some way and say, "Oh, Eric did it," you know, kind of thing, and like he'll try to play it off as Eric escaped the clinic and did all these things, kind of thing. I think I might have missed this plot point, but does Mrs. Slater know that her son is alive? Oh yeah, that's that's the thing, right? the reason she wants the sorority cleared out every summer from girls is that Eric has been staying at the clinic most of his life. And during the summer when his birthday, during his birthday, um, she takes him out of the clinic in secret and, and, and has her at the sorority house, you know, doing the, the mm-hmm. uh, mother son thing for, for the whole summer. That's why Eric's got all of his toys and everything up uh... in the attic room. See, I, I assume she just kept it there as like a memory of something she never had or something. You know, so uh, I, I missed that plot point. That's why I ask. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's done so as such in passing that if you kind of blink, you know, you're, you're going to you're gonna miss it, so to speak. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I, that's what I totally got is why she was so upset that they were going to be staying there at the house and she was trying to get them the fuck out because she mm-hmm. wanted her privacy with her son. 
And that's when I think the the good re- revelation is made when old Dr. Beck, which I kind of make a note here. Christopher Lawrence does a great job as Dr. Dr. Beck. Great actor. Only movie he ever did. Really? Yeah. I, when I started looking up, you know, trivia, doing my due diligence as I always do. And I c- couldn't believe I would have thought he was a seasoned professional. Like, I'm going to look this guy up and he's going to have 175 credits. Nope. One. That's it. One, one credit. And did did it, did his bio say what else he did? Like, did he do stage there's or theater or anything? Nothing else in the bio. Really? Okay. Yeah, there's literally nothing. So it's, Christopher Lawrence is known for the house on Sorority Row, and I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> that's it. So, so either, so either he, that's legit. He never had another career, or he secretly was in really dirty pornos under a different name that IMDb <laughs> hasn't picked up on. That's one or the other. You know, I like your I like your version of it. Yeah, I like your version Dr. of it, Lee. It plays out a lot much better for me. Doctor Beck ain't just implanting babies artificially, baby. <laughs> yeah, he's got he's, he, he was hanging out with Ron Jeremy or something. He had, he's got some some shit going on. <laughs> oh, he might not want to do that, and he might not want to admit to that. <laughs> no, that's why he's that's why he's disappeared. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, it's all kind of summed up really well here in the end. We get the final girl chase. And, of course, uh, Katie thinks she's going to use the gun that, unfortunately, is filled with blanks. Mm-hmm. I don't know why she thought that, like, the, the other clip would have been filled with non-blanks. But, you know, there's, but again, there was the one random bullet that killed uh, Mrs. Slater. So I could see her her I, I, I reasoning mean, on that. I mean, if, if I'm in her shoes, I'm going to take the I'm going to take the chance either way, because if, if I got that guy bearing down on me, if I if I have a even a one in a hundredth chance of killing him with a fucking with a with a gun blanks or not i'm gonna try <laughs> yeah exactly but uh i i love <clears throat> the end sequence when she is waiting in that corner and mm. they keep cutting back and forth from the from you know the the entrance into the attic where she's got the jack in the box plane trying to lure eric up into the attic and she's starting to hallucinate again and then fucking get the moment that is my favorite sequence of the movie yeah. is when his, his head just lifts up and just is like, Oh shit. You know, yeah. it's tense. Makes, makes my heart skip a beat. But, uh, you know, she, I, I want to know though, maybe I missed something here. Was like, how did she get, how did she know that that one particular toy was, had a, a hidden knife in it? You know, uh, she, I, she uses I it. Think, I think she just, pulled it off by accident and in real and in, in, in saw like oh okay yeah I, I maybe she was gonna i think she was gonna like grab on the actual like jack-in-the-box and use that as the handle to try to bludgeon him with possibly and it, it just came off kind of thing yeah that's kind of what, okay. what, what, what happened there yeah that works <laughs> i i just i thought maybe i maybe missed something i'm like maybe there was some sort of clue but it was just a happy accident yeah. But but she commits the 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 one cardinal sin when you're dealing with a slasher is you don't stop stabbing. Yeah. You don't stop bludgeoning. You you pull at least, you know, uh a Tommy from Friday the 13th and you keep chopping until your arm falls off from swinging that machete so long. You just don't give the killer three four little stabs and then let him fall down the set of stairs cuz you know he's going to wake up cuz that's what happens. We get that 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 bumper ending when his eyes snap open and then we cut to black and we don't know what happens, but you can probably figure that uh, Katie was not going to live to see the day. Well, 
I, I personally, I like candy enough where I just kind of feel like, oh, it was actually just like a kind of a little muscle reflex action and his eyes popped open, that kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, I liked her character. She was the only redeemable character in the movie. Everybody else was pretty much an asshole. Yeah. It's that, that, that Billy is still alive moment from Black Christmas, you know. Mm-hmm. Like what, what happens when they check the attic? You know, what happens then? You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, but then we, I guess, like I said, that's why we're here. You know, that we didn't get another sequel, so we're left this to speculate. Yeah, and but you th- know, she she survives in my perfect version, and she pulls Paul out of his days, and then steals one of uh, uh, Vicky's extra small condoms that she sports at the beginning there to put on her boyfriend. And, uh, that wasn't a it. condom. That was a finger cot. That, that was so <laughs> bad. I was like, what what Smurf dick are you putting that on? I, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe that's why she had such an unsatisfied look on her face in the first place. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. In my perfect ending, you find out that Peter and Eric were actually brothers. And oh. then... Katie comes downstairs and thinks she's going to make it out. And then Peter and Eric are both there and take her out and then end right. credits. There you go. But then again, I go dark. I always go dark. I mean, there, there was, there was a plan. There was a couple different ending. Like, I think they shot one that they dumped and then there was another planned one that there, there were both like darker endings. If, if I read correctly in some of the trivia, but yeah, I was going to say there was the one where, uh, she was being pushed away in a wheelchair, and then you pan up, and then it was Eric pushing her, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Or was that the filmed one or the non-filmed one? Uh, that was the non-filmed one. The filmed one, I think, was uh, the aftermath, the police looking, like, fishing the bodies out of the pool. And one of them is the, the Harlequin costume person, and the, they, they, they turn it around on, on its back, and it's, and it's her in the costume. Oh, Okay. I wonder if that's available to watch anywhere. I don't know if it's because I, I don't own this on physical media except for on VHS, and that's definitely not in the days before they had any kind of special features. I would have liked to have mm. seen that. Huh. Well, that yeah, that's interesting. Well, I'll have to seek it out. But, but that being said, we'll get into our final thoughts and ratings on this and uh, way we do things around here. You guys are familiar. You've been here before, but guests go first, and we do a rating on a scale from one to ten. So I don't know, Gary. You want to take this one first? Um, very efficient slasher. Uh, not a lot of complaints here. Not, not a, lot, a lot of meat on the bone either. Um, per- perfect length is like 95 minutes long. Um, if you've never seen it before, the, 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 the killer at the end and, the and the Jack of the box costume is unexpected and terrific. It's still terrific, but once you know, you know, and that's unfortunately the, the thing of, okay, I've seen this before. I know what's going to happen next, but there, there are moments in, in horror movies that make you still feel unexpected um yeah great characters you know in, in the film you, you know which ones are going to go and i i, I like the, the pov of the cane and nothing else and just to say hey who could this be we don't know i, lo- I love the red herring stuff like that and it's a great weapon too that, that that unusual spike on the end of that cane is a great weapon that'd be and, one hell of a tripping hazard if you tripped mm-hmm. fell down you would not want to have that cane in your hands oh no mm-hmm. <laughs> But um, very good overall. I, I give it eight extra small condoms out of ten. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Lee, you? Uh, I really enjoyed this quite a bit. I'm glad I finally got around to watching it. Um, it 
you know, uh, although this this saying won't hold uh, much weight uh, on this podcast, but I think it's the second best uh, sorority uh, themed slasher film after Black Christmas. And like it, it definitely borrows a lot from Black Christmas. And you, if you found Black Christmas a little too slow or whatever, this one, I think, picks up the pace a little bit better. Um, it's got fun characters. It's got a really cool killer with a really cool look. Then you never get to see their face, which adds to the mystery and, and the horror a little bit. And, it, you know, and it's got a it's got a couple of different little subplots running through it that all work really well. And at the same time, it's not overly confusing or anything like that. Um, great gore, uh, especially on the on the budget it was on. And um, I think it's a fantastic. Like, it's not. It's it's a little past peak period slasher films in the eighties. Like, slasher films kind of peaked around eighty one, eighty two ish. This was made in eighty one, and I don't think it was actually really released until eighty three, mostly. Um, so it's kind of, it's kind of on the back end of like the peak period of slasher films. And it's a really, really fucking good one. I would give it a seven out of 10. Oh, nice. Well, Gary, I'm going to be matching your eight. I'm, I'm bringing this one in an eight as an extremely efficient slasher. Doesn't get nearly enough love. I love the fact that you never see the killer's face. You know, you, you know, again, air quotes here, you know who the killer is by the end of the movie. You know his name. You don't know his face. You never see his face. And there's something just eerie about that. It's it's uh, something just satisfying about leaving you wanting more and just knowing, wanting to know, like, what the hell does he look like? And the, the kills, you know, albeit all pretty much the same, you know, they're all like a hack and slash with the, you know, I usually like a little bit more variety with my uh, kills. Otherwise, I'd probably give this movie a, a full-fledged nine. You know, but I do like uh, the cane. It's a unique weapon. That's why I don't mind it so much that it's, you know, pretty much the singular used uh, weapon of, of choice by, you know, Eric the Killer. Uh, so, you know, like I said, I'm willing to forgive it for that. It's really well shot and well photographed. Most of the times when you get a slasher of this ilk from this era, a lot of the outside scenes tend to be very underlit. And I feel like this mm. movie uh, kind of sashays away from, from that it's a uh, very well lit very well shot it, it's uh got some not really i wouldn't use the term great characters but oh. effective characters because they're they're all assholes everybody mm -hmm. in this movie is an asshole except for katie and you know so it's extremely apparent you know right off the bat that katie's going to be our final girl and you root for her Although by the you know by the end you're just you're kind of like almost begging for a sweet release for her just to just she's looking horrible by the time this movie's ending, she's been through the ringer. You just like want her to either you know get killed easily or just like you know or make it out make it out alive. Which I, I would have thought if they would have went with the ending, the darker ending with her in the the out outfit floating in the pool, that would have been a downbeat. And I probably would have to come in a point lower on it, but I, I like the ending that they have. It's effective. It leaves leaves you wanting more. And here it is, not you know. For, for, oh, go ahead. I said not my favorite film with a secret freak in it, but that's probably phenomenon. That's kind of hard to beat, though. Is that? Uh... Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah, phenomenon. When we're talking Argento, that's pretty hard to beat. 
But uh, that being said, guys, do you want to uh, plug whatever you got coming up next? Um, this is going to drop about the you know the second third week of October. So kind of thinking, of, I don't know if you got anything planned that far ahead. But uh, Lee, do you want to give your plugs? Yeah. So you can find all my stuff at they must be destroyed at site. Uh, that's tmbdos.podbean.com. Uh, as far as stuff I have in the works, basically just a bunch of horror stuff um i may or may not be getting some something together with uh my co-host lady lee and uh one court psyops of cinema psyops where we're we're trying to get to do the uh i spit on your grave and the remake um so if we do get that done that'll be something that will be dropping early-ish october and other than that uh we do have a bunch of little mini episodes we've got planned. We got a couple already in the can. Uh, the, if people familiar for our podcast are the intermission episodes, which are generally like shorter than an hour. Um, and I hope to have a bunch of those to sprinkle in October as well as just a couple of uh, horror movies we're planning. We, we are planning on doing hereditary at some point in October. And, oh, nice. Nice. Uh, and I think honestly, I'm probably just going to let lady Lee program the entire fucking show for october anyway because uh she's a as much as i'm a horror movie fan she's a halloween freak and so she you know she's she's already like putting up decorations and stuff at, at her apartment and shit uh well well before <laughs> october even hit and she's like super excited about it so i'm just gonna let her program the entire fucking show for the october why not this seems like the reasonable thing to do yeah yeah <laughs> gary what about you sir um, some stuff in the, in the, in the works, uh, next week, uh, sometime we record the new last call of torches, which is going to be, um, red heat and, um, with bonus Patreon, if not Legion Patreon, go to Legion, go to pa, 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 patreon.com slash Legion podcast and spend that two bucks a month to get those bonus, those bonus, uh, torches episodes and, and other stuff. Uh, we're doing code of silence for that. That's Cameron's choice. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's another Chuck Norris, Chuck Norris joint. Uh, Sin Beef podcast um, coming up. I finish piecing together the beef anniversary. It's all there. I just got to record my little beginning and end parts and, and mesh it all together. So by the time this comes out, that should be long out. I'm looking forward to get that out finally. And beyond that, we are doing The Cell and Dreamscape as a show. Hopefully, oh, with, a, with, a, yeah, with a special guest that I'm not going to mention because I don't mention it until it happens. So that's a that's uh, a fucking really cool pairing of films. Yeah, it could be pretty fun. I don't think the seller dreams could be enough love, in my opinion. So, mm. um, yeah, I was gonna say the cell is definitely underrated, in my opinion. Um, beyond that, burnt ends episodes coming up. The ones that I have um, guests for, so I'll say we're gonna do those next. Um, Fire and ice is coming up for those. That's, that's these are more bonus Patreon stuff for cinema beef. Uh, with, with myself, Iris, and whoever else wants to come on. Uh, Jerry Cortez, Mr. Venom, signed up for The Last Unicorn. And, of course, Lee's co-host, the the, the lovely lady, Lee Hardy, uh, is going to do the great Muppet Caper with us. I'm, I'm excited to talk about that with, with her and, you know, the how great the great Gonzo truly is. It, it, it works really well. <laughs> and he is extra great, in my opinion. Just spoilers for that episode. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's two chicken two chicken commentaries. Uh, everything's coming up Millhouse because I'm I have a new I have a new uh, a view on life I guess that makes you want to work and 
get this shit out for you guys to listen to. So <laughs> sweet. Nice, nice. Well, it's good to see you back in action, sir. I appreciate you guys. Yeah. And I, I appreciate you guys for coming on the show. Thank you very much for coming on another appreciate appreciation month. Uh, you know, uh, I'm not sure what the next one will be. I got <laughs> I probably have 40 or 50 different ideas sketched down. So it's just a matter of throwing a dart at the dartboard and figuring out what the next one's going to be. But it'll probably be something weird, I'm sure. Yeah. But again, thank you guys for taking an hour or two out of your busy schedule. I appreciate it. Thank you. So it's fun. Yeah. Thank yeah. you, man. And everybody at home, keep listening. We've got about three more of these things coming at you. You have been listening to us wax philosophical about House on Sorority Road from 1982. As always, folks, thank you for listening. The house is closed. What are you girls doing here? Well, uh, you tell her, Diane. It's all very simple, Mrs. Slater. We had to move the graduation party from the Silver Bear. Move it? Insufficient funds. So we... We're having the party here. Really? We're only staying a couple of extra days to set it up. And whose idea was all this? Well, Vicky thought the house would be the perfect place, and we all agreed. Vicky, where is she? We haven't seen her. I'll speak to her later. As for you girls, how could you even think of having a drunken spree in my house? <coughs> There'll be no party here. The house is closed. I want you all out by tomorrow. Good night.